Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Ion Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. the short, fat, bearded Thor. You know, to go with the... To go with Lady Thor and all the uh, oh. all the all the Thorlings that are, uh, and to go with today's text, which is about lightning and thunder. <laughs> you know, you you said there are only so many ways I can get you, but you know, I am committed to finding new ones. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're <laughs> for more pre-show banter. Check out preambling number eleven, steamy, scary, and explodey. Otherwise, you're welcome for cutting out the fat. So, uh, we are getting into back into the Book of Revelation, Revelation oh, chapter four again. Amazing. Oh, you know I am. <laughs> I just the tr- you can't handle the transitions. You can't handle it. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm smooth like butter. Uh, <laughs> we are looking at the book of Revelation. We're uh specifically I'm glad I pulled that up because I wouldn't have seen okay. Um uh we're specifically looking at the book uh chapter four of Revelation. Um we're working through this a little little chunks at a time, but once we get to chapter five, we're going to be digging into longer form. Uh, we're kind of basically once we get to chapter five, there's really no way to to split that chapter up. So we're really just going to be looking at the time and making sure and just like, okay, now's the time to stop wherever we're at. We're going to stop it, cut it off here, pick up where we left off next episode. Um, uh. And also, oh, and I, 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 I want to throw. The, I want to also um, let people know that um, we are approaching the summer, and uh, typically in the summer things get a little wilder. So we, we are not like uh, some shows or most many shows. I would even say that will go on some sort of a hiatus during the summer. Um, you know, not that there's a problem with that, but uh, we kind of just what we did last summer that worked really well um, is. We just kind of start recording constantly and just get ahead on 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 full length episodes uh, until basically we filled the entire summer, and that's what we're planning on doing now. So we're going to keep putting out preamblings where we're going to deal with current events, and that's a new addition to our schedule that we can kind of so we can we can still keep talking about current events and excerpt that and put that out every week but but what you're going to see if you're watching particularly if you're watching our YouTube channel um you're going to see uh pre-scheduled shows starting to pile up cuz we're going to try and start recording two full-length episodes a week every chance we get and we're going to start that here in May um not the first week of May because we have a special guest coming uh which I'm excited about uh, or a special returning guest, and uh, it's going to be kind of fun. Um, but uh, but starting in May, we're going to start trying to get ahead on our episodes, and so you're not going to see any bonus episodes coming out unless we have, like I said, uh, or like like we had happen just a, a little while ago, uh, us going on a bit long on our preambling. Um, then we then you might see, but then of course you're not looking at a full length full length bonus. We're probably just looking at a a uh, thirty minute to 40 minute thing 
Um, but we're not going to be doing full bonus episodes like we have been throughout the summer, at least for the first part of the summer while we're getting ahead. Um, just so that on the weeks when we have to be out of t- where we have to be out of town and we can't record that, that's that we still got an episode, uh, in the, um, you know, in the, in the, in the tank. Um, but then later on the summer, after we've we filled it up, we'll, we might, we'll start bringing back the bonus episodes if we've got time to do it. Um, and and also uh, on that point, because we are taking some time off bonus, we do have an idea uh, for a bonus series that we're gonna do in the fall. We've started talking about it, and I have to say I am ecstatic about it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to talk about that more as we get closer because it is going to be, it, it's maybe one of the things, it may be one of the things I'm most excited about uh, right now is is this bonus series. And I, I think it's going to be something not only that's going to be really valuable, but something that's going to be very evergreen and, and useful that we'll be able to. Um, to use so anyway um you can get excited about that but that's an explanation if you start to notice that bonus episodes uh stop coming out as frequently well that's on purpose we're not um yeah well that's not on purpose or that is on purpose so that we can get ahead on this so that we can keep giving you full episodes throughout the summer even on weeks where um i'm chasing youth around um (laughs) at at conferences and and uh whatever else is going on so that's uh that's what's going on as opposed to your normal life where you're chasing even younger youth around your house. <laughs> yeah, but I'm at least doing it at home so I can still record. Uh, right. <laughs> but with that said, let's get into uh, the book of Revelation, um, chapter four. Um, we're going to specifically look at verses four and five. Um, but of course, we got to we got to get into it. We got to put it in context. And uh, it might, I, and so I'm just going to read as as we've done, as we've been doing, the full chapter, chapter four. Uh, and then I'm gonna gonna again ask uh, Brother Jeff to pray for us, and then we're gonna look at verses four and five. Um, so uh, I'm gonna pull up the the, the scripture. So you can look at, uh, follow along with us if you're watching on YouTube. Otherwise, if you're uh, listening, uh, maybe pull out your own Bible and follow along. And um, here we go. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire which are the seven spirits of god and before the throne there was as it were a sea of glass like like crystal 
Around the throne on each side of the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight, and the fourth living creatures eat creatures. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to Thanks God. Thanks be to God. But he who has ears hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Brother Jeff, would you pray for us? Grant, Almighty God, that as you shine on us by your word, we may not be blind at midday, nor willfully seek darkness, and thus lull our minds asleep. But may we be roused daily by your words, and may we stir up ourselves more and more to fear your name, and thus present ourselves and all our pursuits as a sacrifice to you, that you may peaceful, peaceably rule and perpetually dwell in us, until you gather us to your celestial habitation where there is reserved for us eternal rest and glory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Recognize that prayer. I figured you might recognize that prayer. <laughs> Love it. That, um, that would be not original to me. That's a John Calvin prayer. That's right. that, uh, <laughs> that's uh, from be thou my vision, which we've talked yeah. about on this show. <laughs> right. Uh, love it. Love it. It's a great prayer. Um, thank you for that. So, so let's do a little bit of, as we do, um, you know, let's review a little bit. Um, you know, chapter one, uh, was of course we, 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 we come to see that this is a letter, um, from John who saw a vision of Christ and was instructed to write it down. And there's kind of, we are into the second major vision, um, coming out of, um, a section that is not a parenthesis, but is integral to the book itself of uh, the letters to the seven churches of 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 uh, Asia Minor, which is in chapters two and three. Um, and now we are into the second major vision. And of course, we have to remember, and it is essential that we not forget that this is still written to those seven churches. This is not a mysterious letter that means nothing to th anyone this side of the rapture. It is something that has meaning and application to the church that it was written to. So, um, so we're looking at it and, and, and we get in this chapter something glorious, which is we get a glimpse into the goings on in heaven, the throne room of God, uh, my brother, uh, one of my, my good br friends and brothers, uh, pre got to preach a sermon this morning on, uh, um, Hebrews four, 14 through 16, which is, you know, um, by the, by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the, his high priestly lay, uh, high priestly, 
um, service, we are able to boldly approach the throne of grace. Well, here we get to see what it looks like to boldly approach the throne of grace. And uh, it starts with an open door, a door that's opened uh, by, by Christ for those who follow by the way of him, the door of the flock. Jumping over to another Johannine passage in John 10. Uh, and um, he is, of course, the voice of the one speaking like a trumpet. Um, it's from an earlier, the earlier chapter. And he says, Jesus, the words of Jesus, which is, um, if we're reading a red letter Bible, this should be red letters. Um, not that that makes it special because all the book, all the letters are red letters. We're really going to be serious, but uh, come up here. He says, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, which is again, as a, a, a prophetic um, trance sort of language. And I will, and, uh, and behold, the throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And there's this, uh, collection of jewels and uh this appearance this rainbow appearance and and this evocative imagery uh, filled with um old testament um imagery to to speak of um god in the presence of his people and god in his mercy and justice and um and if you want to hear about all that of course you can go to episode uh 57 i believe 57 yeah that's right 57 don't Stop doubting me. Yes, 57. Uh, and where we, we looked at these images in specific. And now we're looking at not just the, the one sitting on the throne, but what is going on around the throne. And the first thing we see is 24 sub-thrones. So second thrones, secondary thrones. And on those 24 thrones is 24 elders. And I should uh, go over to our Greek text at this point and uh, zoom in there. Um because that's what we see. And Kuklothen uh, surrounding, encircling the throne, which we're going to see that word come up a lot in this chapter. And like we saw, it is a Kuklothen, the circling, the iris, the rainbow is encircling the throne. And now also <clears throat> encircling the throne is other thrones, uh, 24 thrones. There are, so 24 thrones. And upon the thrones... Uh, and upon, upon the thrones, the, the 24 thrones, the, the 24 thrones, uh, 24 elders were seated or being seated. So presbyteros, we see that word, uh, in the church, the Presbyterian church, um, which that's the, per, the, the reason they're named Presbyterian is because they are the elder led church. Uh, and so in that sense, uh, a Baptist church can also be Presbyterian if it is elder led, uh, but that's referring to elders. But, but the real question that, and, and the, the sticking point that many are going to, oops, I did it again. I made the, I, 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 okay. Anyway, um, the, the real sticking point that, um, often gets, uh, uh, brought up at this point is, okay. So the question is who are the 24 elders um jeff what are some of the options generally speaking given for these 24 elders that it is the old covenant saints and the new covenant saints i would say 
is one of the most obvious i would get i would say is uh is that um is that um 12 is is one way of expressing a fullness of something um uh because it's it's like threeness which is which is the trinity got the um god's permeation of something uh, combined with the four corners of something, usually like a geographical or usually, but not uh, not always a geographical fullness um, is uh, with with four corners. And so uh, so so three times four, twelve. Um, uh, obviously, twelve tribes of Israel, um, twelve apostles, uh, Tend, yeah. It tends towards that. You've got, um, uh, so so that's um, that's one that's one possibility. So then, so then the other, uh, um, another way, uh, another way you can get uh, to twenty four is um, you've got six, the number of man, times four. The fullness of the earth is, I think, the the so the fullness of the men, the fullness of mankind from the earth um, is uh, the 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 four corners of the earth. I think is is um, is one uh, one way you can get there, and then. Um, uh, and then you can, um, you can uh, go straight to. Um, you've got. Um, where was it? It was it Ezekiel, mm-hmm. where you've got twenty four. Um, um, I found it in Isaiah and Exodus, but. Oh. I, I must be thinking of Isaiah then. I definitely, I definitely, I'm not sure about the Exodus uh, uh-huh. one. So I must have been thinking of Isaiah. Where, uh, what, what are we? Uh, what, what's the Exodus one? Um, uh, Exodus 24. Uh, well, actually, oh, that's not. It's not specifically 24, but um, is referring to elders. Sorry, that's that oh, was okay. different. Oh. I was just glancing over my notes and I saw the Exodus, but it's that's for a different thing. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, my bad. But Isaiah, I think there is there is kind of the 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 um. Well, okay, so oh, never mind. That's a different thing altogether. My bad. Um, <laughs> um, I okay, I know where the note is. Okay, sorry. Um, Ezekiel saw twenty five men in a vision. In Ezekiel eight and eleven, ah, so which re- which is representing, yeah, which is representing the high priest and the heads of the twenty four orders of priests. Okay, so there's there's kind of um, there's kind of like what do they evoke, and it is is there's kind of um well, well Senpai Beal kind of comes up with uh six kind of general like how how people tend to see 
um, this, um, and uh, I'm trying to find his list. His list comes down to um, they can be variously identified as stars from an astrological background, um, which in a Babylonian context, which is what it comes from, would also have a deity reference. Um, so you've got kind of, you know, Babylon, Babylonian astral deities. Um, the pro, uh, so basically it'd be like the 12, 24 elders would be um, traced to Jewish apocalyptic, um, which is indebted ultimately to the Babylonian astrological beliefs and 24 star gods. Um, and which, and of course, these gods are kind of relegated to the status of angels. Um, the problem with that, of course, is there's no other god but the Lord, I mean, that'd be a problem. Um, and also that the 24 orders of angels in Jewish apocalyptic, um, there actually is no evidence of that actually, uh, being the case essentially is, is what it comes down to is that, that, um, that they, uh, at least at the time contemporary to John, these are not, not really a common belief. It, it's um, either a later or a much earlier tradition. Um, and especially when there's other closer connections, um, but the second one would be um, that it would be um, angels, and so that's it's kind of connected to that um, idea right. of the twenty-four star gods. But yeah, so even the idea that it's angels, though, yeah, the the twenty-four kind of gets you to they've got to at least represent humans in some way, because because otherwise the number doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, there's no way to make there's no way to make the number match something else that we get about angels in the yeah. older New Testament. Well, I mean, um, the strength the strength of it is if that angels are often or stars often represent angels in the Book of Revelation, and if that is yeah. the twenty four is meant to be a star reference, then that would be a strong argument for it. Um, however, I mean, for one thing. Why would it, um, elders as a term for, um, angels is rare. Um, and if, if ever, if ever, <laughs> and, and, and especially in the book of revelation where, yeah, this would be the only time in the book of revelation if that is what's meant. And, and like you say, the numbers actually have much more close association to um jewish yeah um well and images. and actually the, the so i've got this in my notes actually i just i i i just put it in slightly the wrong place um first chronicles 24 7 through 18 you get the counting out of the uh yeah 24 priestly orders and yeah. it's 24 it's 24 exactly because yes. it's not counting the high priest there. There's a 24 orders of priests in, in first and first Chronicles 24. And then in 26 is also 24 Levitical gatekeepers. There's 24 orders of Levites commissioned to prophesy and giving thanks to the Lord. Uh, in chapter 25, um, Josephus also brings up this number 24. 24 is a common number for the Levitical priestly, um, order. And, and also, um, and yeah, like we said, the Ezekiel connection, that's clearly supposed to be the high priest and the 24 priests. Um, and so this is kind of um, considered kind of the, the, the strong argument for 
them being a representative of exalted Old Testament saints, I guess you could say. Uh, uh, sometimes often where, where they will bring it up. Um, there's um, David Aone brings up, and this is where those two texts come um, come in that I errantly ascribed to a, another argument came in where you actually get um, in Isaiah 24, 23, which I pulled up on the screen if you're watching, uh, uh, Isaiah 24, 23, then the moon will be confounded and the sun ashamed for the Lord of hosts reigns on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and his glory will be before his elders. So there's kind of this exalted, uh, heavenly glorious vision with his elders around him. And, um, and these are earthly elders. These are not angels. These are earthly elders. And of course, um, the, Exodus 24, which is the appointing of the 70 elders of Israel who go up and they see the God of Israel. So there is this theme of the elders, the leaders of the people. And of course, in, in Exodus, it's not 24, but it is elders who see the glory of God. And there, and of course, there's also the connection. This is why this one is significant. Um, at the end of, of, chapter, of verse 10 of chapter 24 of Exodus, there was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. So there's this sapphire under the, these, these precious stones under the Lord's feet um, that would um, speak to the, this, um, uh, yeah, this, this 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 being earthly elders beholding the vision of god um and and so of course the, i think that is at this point we should be clear that that is what this metaphor is clearly trying to bring up like there's other interpretations that that come up um that um that 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 beal points to but um so you've got um kind of angelic human representatives of all the saints um that would work but the problem is they're distinguished from other angels. And, and so that it kind of ends up not working perfectly. And so, but, but, but really the old Testament says it also goes with this other. So if we're, we're going to accept that this is probably a human number, which I think between the, uh, the, um, Oh my gosh, the numerology of it. Um, and also of the references to elders standing before the, 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 the Lord, um, connections then we've got kind of the options of this being kind of old testament saints um or or it could be or representatives of the old testament saints um then you've got another argument which is honestly the one i heard the most which is you know 12 plus 12 the 12 patriarchs and the 12 apostles so this is the people of god brought together um, or is literally them. That's also another, it could be either be literally them or representation of them. Um, uh, and then you also have this, the, the sixth option, which I've never really considered is their representatives of the prophetic revelation of the 24 books of the old Testament. And I want to take that one first before we come back to the oh. human options, because basically this would be this, this actually an idea that when you put together the books that, go together you end up with 24 books of the old testament you know we have it in 36 but then there's books that are split apart that they would put together um which is an interesting theory um but i think it steps out of this idea of eldership being actual human people and i think in a way that is 
it's kind of like it, uh, while he does use evocative imagery, it's always imagery that is not so deep cuts that his his readers don't understand what he's saying. And I I feel like even even with this idea that this could have been maybe the way they understood the Old Testament, it seems like a stretch still. Especially in light of the the much more clearer connection to the Levitical orders and the priestly orders, and well, um, even yeah, even if even if they did understand it as being twenty four books, that could be because of the twenty four Levitical orders. So, right. right, like that itself right. could be reflecting. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, that's more what I I sort of lean toward. I mean. I grew up. I grew up on the. It's twelve and twelve. It's it's. Uh, yeah. Um, and I I do think, I I call it the most obvious. I think it is. I think it's the the one that would occur most quickly to a modern Bible reader. Um, I think for John. Right. The idea that he reaching back to First Chronicles is not right. so insane. Yeah, <laughs> and that he that he's expecting this to reflect yeah. an actual number from Ezekiel yeah. when you subtract the high priest yeah. from from uh, from First Chronicles. I think I think that's not so insane given yeah um, given his right, and so that I think I I think I mildly prefer. I'm I'm not willing yeah. to be emphatic about this, but I think I mildly prefer the interpretation yeah. that gets you a number that you can actually directly pull from somewhere else yes. and not have to add. Yes. And, and, you know, we're, e we're even possibly in the territory of yes. And that we could say, sure. Um, Cause I mean, if this is 24, if this 24 is representative of the 24 priestly orders and the 24, um, Levitical orders that this is this is the leaders of the worshiping community. Then, if we're willing to, if we if, if that's what we take it as, which I think is like I agree with you. I think that is the clearest connection, because again, like I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it might be the most obvious interpretation to the modern Bible reader, but this is not written to the modern Bible reader. You know, um, this is written to the historic Bible reader. And when they see the word, when they see the number 24, are they going to immediately think, oh, 12 plus 12. There it is. Is that, is that going to be where their, their mind jumps to? Well, probably not. Maybe. These are, I'm not willing to rule it out. I'm not willing to yeah. rule it out. But it, it seems is. much more likely that they're going to be going back to where does the number 24 come up? Well, the number 24 comes up, uh, in the Levitical priesthood and in the, uh, the orders of the, the Levites and the orders of the doorkeepers and the prophets and the, yeah, this, this is a evocative constant number, uh, that, that they, that would have made perfect sense to the original readers. And, um, and what does it mean at that point? At that point, what do they actually represent? Like, first of all, I guess let's say, are they literal humans sitting around the throne or are they representatives of something? Uh, and um, what would you say? Do, do you think there's actually a literal 24 people? We're going to be able to go and shake hands with the 24 elders standing around the throne. Or do you think they're representative I, of something? I, I strongly tend towards the representative. 
Yeah. I, it, it, which, which does leave you a little more wiggle room to say, yes, all of the above, um, that, that these all play into this parallel, but it's, it's ultimately, it ultimately represents um, a little bit of, of all of them. But I still think, I still think the, uh, I, I still think the strongest parallel um, is the, the 24 Levitical orders. And then, and then, and then it's the um, twelve patriarchs plus twelve disciples. I think, and um, but but I don't think so. Okay, so I don't think it's the twenty-four people named in First Chronicles twenty-four um, for sure. Um, I also yeah. don't think it is the actual 12 patriarchs plus the actual 12 disciples. Right. Um, right. So, so I do think that, that regardless it is representative of, yeah. of humanity of, of the saints of God, yeah. which, which then means, then means that the, um, the just six times four interpretation is also true. <laughs> it's just maybe, maybe a lesser, lesser route to get to the same conclusion. Yeah. yeah. And because so we need to multiplying deal with by multiples of twelve is about to become a thing, though. Like, yeah, yeah. I say about to next year. About to become. Um. Um. <laughs> Oh, please. We'll get to it by the end of the year. Uh, <laughs> but let's deal with it. So in the futurist camp, there is a literal 24 people interpretation. Um, sure. Henry, there, in fact, um, uh, uh, which again, if uh, we love this, I love this. Um, uh, the the um, four views parallel commentary. Um uh, by Greg, uh, Greg, I forget it. Steve, Greg, Steve, Greg, I believe it is. Steve Greg, I think. Yeah. yeah I, um, I, I didn't cite it for here for some reason, but, um, the, there's a futurist view. There's a non-dispensational futurist view that suggests, and, and this is apparently just one person. And it, there's a clear reason why, which is that it's the first 24 ancestors of Christ, Adam through Ferez. Now there's an obvious reason why that would make, that would not make as much sense. It's because who the heck is Ferez? <laughs> I guess it's a weird place to end. And it's just, it's just such a weird way to pull when you have a much more obvious 24 reference. Um, but of course, um, then there's Latin mounts who are, who are on the non-dispositional future side who would uh, identify the elders as angels. Wait. It, so, <laughs> so the first 24 ancestors of Christ um, doesn't even doesn't even follow the structure of one of the genealogies because it's three groups of fourteen. At least Matthews. I don't remember what Luke does with the genealogy, but but uh, at least Matthews, it's three groups of fourteen. So he's following so Genesis five with, and eleven. You'd end up with twenty eight, or <laughs> um, it's not. 
a great argument, but it is there. Yeah. Um, but of course, um, but really, and this is where the dispensational futurists will come in and say, well, what is it? It's obviously New Testament saints raptured into heaven. Um, uh, Gabe Line um, speaks emphatically and says, there is only one possible meaning. They represent the redeemed saints in glory. They are priests clothed in white. They are kings crowned and they are a royal priesthood before the throne. Acknowledged. And also, their, their presence before the throne of God prior to the unleashing of the various tribulation judgments is seen as pr proof of a pre-tribulational rapture. Hal Lindsey, noted scholar, sees a further indicator that the church has been raptured at this point in the fact that the seven lamps of fire, um, verse 5, right there, you'll see it right there, um, you know, the for the throne burning seven torches of fire, are now in are now in heaven before the throne in heaven. So the church has been pulled up out of the world. It's no longer in the world, but it is in heaven, which is a stretch of interpretation yeah. for chapter one. That yeah. this vision that we saw in chapter one is that's the seven on earth. Now they are <laughs> in heaven. It's a stretch. Yeah. yeah. It's a stretch of interpretation. Um, if, if, if you didn't yeah. have chapter one, and all you had was chapters two and three, then sure, that's more plausible. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, the chapter one really throws off that interpretation. Yeah. And and this is a place where again, I think the the preterists largely and the and the idealists largely uh, agree on this point of being a representation of the uh, representative assembly of the royal priesthood the church um by which we do, and of course we got to remember we got to speak a little bit of presbyterian here we're or i guess we're speaking not not let's not put it that way we're speaking systematically here not biblical theologically Okay, so again, we gotta. Sometimes we gotta distinguish when are we using. Uh, sometimes when, if we're speaking biblical theologically, yes, this is clearly a dig into Israelite imagery. So the Old Testament, Old Covenant people sure. of God. But um, if we're speaking systematically, we're talking about the people of God. So it is a church in the sense that it is the assembly of the people, and that's what I think seems whether we're taking the 12 plus 12 or the six times four or the 24 levitical priests that seems to be the clearest most obvious interpretation especially when you put everything together um and kuklothen surrounding the throne 24 thrones and upon the thrones there are 24 elders sitting um clothed Peri Peribeblemenus, which is not like um in in not a typical kind of way of saying clothes. Like it's been in kind of a I guess you could say like it's it's been placed upon them something that has been uh yeah I'm trying um trying to find my translation um of that um. But it's not the, the kind of usually there's a word for endued there, um, and talking about clothed. Um, but they, but yeah, having been clothed in garments of white, loikos white. So where have we seen the color white come up 
in in this book uh or or just generally what is it we, we we've seen it a lot i'll say it that way <laughs> we've seen the colorway a lot and what does that white refer to what does it symbolize purity victory um and 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 being washed clean i guess are yeah. the three symbols yeah. that have been most predominant so far yeah for white. and there's an identification with jesus who is the the, the one with you yeah. know who's who's in, in clothed in white and yeah this 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 yeah the, the 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 purity of jesus is is and that i think that's the, the big thing like that's where the priestly imagery comes from and upon their heads stephanus Crusos gold crowns. So I'll lump these both together. Yes. I think the crown and the white are symbols of victory. Very strong indications uh, that we're talking about humans here. Yes. I don't think they're angels because of what they're wearing. Yes. There's white garments. That is, and that, and that there is, um, if you, if you'll go back, you can go back and read through the first three chapters again, you see a lot of talk about white garments and yeah, like you said, it's, it's a, it's a reference to victory. It's a reference to purity. Um, and I don't think it's a stretch like the, the, to say this is Royal priesthood, right? Like there's a crown, which is a victory, but also it's a royalness. There's a Royal priesthood, which is a, of course, um, well, a careful, What's that? Um, and they're sitting on thrones. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sitting on thrones, absolutely. And so a royal priesthood, which, of course, Peter refers to the church as a royal priesthood, um, which we, we see that a lot. And, of course, we talk about that a lot, that you are a royal priesthood chosen um, for his uh, glory to, to magnify his, his uh, marvelous uh, name and or to, in his marvelous light. Um, uh, but... But also, like, this is a, a church reference that is actually an Israel reference. Uh, it's, it's an Israel reference that kind of goes on under the radar. When Peter says, you are a royal priesthood, well, that's what Israel was supposed to be. There's supposed right. to be a nation of kings and priests. That's what yes. Moses says about them. Now, did that mean a succession of kings? Uh, or uh, are we looking at maybe this is another argument for judges not being a bug, but a feature that they were to be lots of royalties, lots of leaders uh, either way it works, but they were to be a nation of priests and Kings. Not that everyone would be a priest, not that everyone would be a King, but that that would be something that marked this nation. They would be a nation that had Kings, plural priests, plural but in that reference in in peter he's saying we are the fulfillment of what israel was meant to be which is we are every one of us priestly kings right and so yeah we this so is a priestly yeah. king victors are they yeah are they which which uh um echoes the the point i made in our overview episode um which is that um the the point of the book of revelation is yes jesus wins but you could have gotten that from the gospels 
the unique point you get from Revelation yes. in many ways is that we get to win with him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's where I think it is so it is so good to see this as um uh as a representational um of 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 the church as a whole. This is and and I think this is like again elders while it's both is biblically evocative it is also ecclesiologically evocative that the elders were meant to be the ones leading the church not priests not uh special religious professionals called pastors all the elders they were meant to be the ones um and so i think that just adds to the evocative church imagery well, yeah and what's the first thing that john's recipients are going to think of when they hear the word elders <laughs> they're going to they're going to think of of the leaders of churches yeah yeah so so 24 of them might be quite evocative of representative of the leadership of the entire church yeah yeah and and of course yeah yeah i think I think that's what we're seeing. Like this is the people of God represented. And maybe, maybe um, I could be an, an argument could be made that this is specifically the leaders of the church of God from um, people, you know, but, uh, or, but I think representatives, I think this is what it's supposed to be. This is the people of God. This is the, the church of God gathered around the throne, victorious, especially like if you connect this again to the, letters to the seven churches which are not again i'm gonna say this again and again and again and again they're not parenthetical they're integral to the document and this is another way it shows itself is because you you know we well you know let's let's look at that um what do we see again and again and again throughout um these letters you see this promise that's to the one who conquers uh and and what what is it I will give you the crown of life. The one who be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. There's crowns being given left and right. Uh, to, and, and people allowed to sit on the throne left and right. These are all images of, of things that are promised to those who overcome, those who are faithful. And so this is something that is promised to the believer that they will be able to sit on thrones around the throne with white garments with a crown a golden crown a crown of victory and i think it's and it's not a stretch it's to, to see this as evocative of the church as a whole and and again who are the priests and levites of the new of the of the congregation of the new Co covenant people of god every last one of us <laughs> and i think right. that yeah it's just it's not a stretch to me um yeah any anything more on this on the on this verse four before we move on to, to verse five why uh, okay dressed in white and had golden crowns on their heads um Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think so. So, okay. 
who do they represent in the sense of the, we're going to see these 24 elders interacting and there are still seemingly saints of God on the earth. I mean, that's obviously we're disagreeing with the dispensationalists on that one, but um, um, uh, although maybe not the particular um, LaHaye fictional brand of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get saints back on the earth somehow so that you can have people to root for in that one, I guess. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, anyway, I, so uh, so regardless though these are these are the representatives of the church who have rest from their labors who have died who have proven themselves victorious um uh and so uh so that is um uh that's definitely uh uh that's definitely the um, the reference here is whether like leaving leaving aside what that means for w- what it leaves out. What it's certainly mm-hmm. talking about is is they're they're representative of um, saints of God who have finished their race. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So verse five, and uh, we might glance at six a, um, I, I don't, I, I don't have it pulled up, but I just thought like, I just realized while reading it, like, man, it kind of goes with this section. Um, but, but I might glance at it. Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see when we get there. Um, uh, we're, we're certainly not going to run out of things to talk about. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and sounds and thunder <laughs> so you've got like uh the evocative language of a lightning storm um you know thus the thor reference um that was not appreciated but accepted um <laughs> and um and of course this this is like wh- what does this evoke what does this imagery evoke um it, it evokes Zion or not Zion. Um, uh, uh, Hermon. Yeah. Sinai. What's that? Sinai. Yeah. 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 Sinai. Um, uh, this is, uh, when they gathered around the, 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 the mountain to receive the commandments of God, there's lightnings and peals of thunder. And there's this, this is all over the old Testament imagery of the presence of God, because that's what they saw when they first saw any sign of God is they saw this, a thunderstorm. Uh, they saw clouds, darkness. Um, and so we're looking at, um, this is coming from the throne. So again, evocative imagery referring to, um, uh, God, the, God, the father, um, in all his magnificence, uh, and seven lamps of fire, uh, burning before or in the eye of the throne, uh, which are the seven, uh, the seven spirits of God. Um, 
this is where, like, yeah, the seven lamps, and I think this is where it is true that the seven lamps are burning before, before in heaven. They're burning before God in heaven. Um, I don't think that is a re- it's not a reference to the rapture. It's a reference to the fact that, like, like, well, then he's clear about it. They are the seven spirits of God. So the 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 burning fire is the seven spirits of God. We are talking about the the spirit of God, which gives light to the seven churches, and they are they are present before the throne. I think if anything, this lends more credence to the argument that the twenty four elders are representative of the church. Because you've got here the seven lampstands, which we know from chapter one is a reference to the churches, the seven lampstands of the churches, and Christ walks in the midst of the churches. And so the spirit also is what burns in the churches. And so we see this is what makes a church a church. The spirit of God is there. Right. The, the, the spirit of God is what makes a church a church. And they are burning before the presence of God in heaven. That doesn't mean they're not on earth. Like earthly realities have always only ever reflected spiritual realities. How did Jesus teach us to pray on earth as it is in heaven? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's such an important insight, by the way. Um, Yeah. That, that, that on earth as it is in heaven attaches, not just to the third petition, but to the first three, how will be your name on earth as it is in heaven. What's going on in heaven. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. His name is being hallowed in heaven. Where is his kingdom already present? The dominion of God is already present in heaven. We ask for his kingdom to come on earth. We are asking for heavenly reality to come to earth. Uh, yeah, but, but, and, and that's, and that is, yeah, that's what, what, what it is. It's a representation of what is going, what is true in heaven is becoming true on earth. And, and really, this is where I think understanding that, and I think this is why the idealistic perspective flowing out of a partial preterist reading is the most helpful and clear way to read this. Because what value is this to the first century church? Right. Otherwise. Right. Right. Like, like right. what value is it when we're like, here, this is what's going to happen after the rapture. Just write it down because it's going to help someone someday. Make sure it's in the Bible just in case it's uh, your, your generation. But it won't be because we know at least 2,000 years are going to pass before the rapture generation comes. Um, but, you know, write it down. It's going to be, you know, chapters one through three will be useful for you. So I, get, I put a little bit of a snippet of something that, that you guys might use. Um, but the rest of it's all going to be just, you know, tea leaves and predictions. So good luck. No, no, like, first of all, paper and ink are way too expensive for that crap. <laughs> if this is just a prediction of the future, put it in a two, in two pages or left. This better be a memo. Dang it. But it's, it, what is the benefit of this? If it is referring to a post rapture reality for the people reading it at the time of Jesus, right? Or not Jesus. I'm sorry. John, nothing. And so we have the example of the first ever history in the history scripture that is not edifying mm. for the original audience. Which means by the first Timothy three sixteen standard, not scripture. 
because all scripture is breathed out by God and what? profitable for teaching, correction, reproof, and instruction in righteousness. All of it? Without exception? Yeah, I mean this right? It's is exactly right. Um and 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 also because there is a much clearer if we take the language in the context of the original audience, again, put that's a nice verse there. It would help if you put it back into context. If you tried putting that verse back into context, this is when we put it back into it's not only its canonical and literary context, but its historical context, it ends up making more sense and actually being a value to us here on this side of the rapture. Because contrary to popular opinion, I do actually believe in a rapture. I don't believe in a secret rapture. I don't believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. I don't believe in a weird, our clothes fall to the ground rapture. I believe in a very out there, open, in the open rapture a trumpet sounds we are lifted into the air the church of god rises in the air to meet our lord and we usher him back where he shall reign forever and ever the kingdoms of this earth has become the kingdom of our god like we are that i i believe in a rapture but this is a value. Knowing about the rapture is a value only insofar as it is helping me to look to Christ. This doesn't help me. Unless it's a reminder that I have a presence before the throne of God. That God has his eye on his church. There is a destiny of reigning and ruling in victory and worship before the throne of God. Um, that is set for those who persevere. The church that hears, that has ears to hear, the spirit says to the or the spirit says to the churches, and the one who overcomes. This is a promise for us that there is a door standing open in heaven for us, and that there is a throne waiting for us. The one who overcomes. This is of great comfort to a church, the church of all ages, but especially that first century church, as every indication showed they had the exact opposite of rule and reign and victory. Right. But this is, this is in keeping with Jesus's, own teaching and his own yes. theology about what? how his coming brings the inbreaking of the kingdom what? where and, and and um and where he he says we talked about we talked about that footstool language um uh three weeks ago um uh, the, the the footstool is what you stand on to get into the throne. So it's a stepladder, right? Uh, in our terminal, in in our terminology, mm-hmm. um, or a stepping stone. Um, and so, uh, so that uh, that he has he has already ascended. His throne. He has already 
made the earth his footstool <laughs> and, and ascended into his throne. And he says, right before his ascension, all authority is given me in heaven and in earth. Mm-hmm. Therefore, as you are going, make disciples. Mm-hmm. Teaching those disciples, uh, er, uh, uh, sorry, baptizing those disciples and teaching those disciples uh, uh, to keep all that I have commanded you. And I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. <laughs> there it is. And the age to come. That is the, unpack that language. Yeah, unpack that language. The that word. See, we see this word eternal life. Um, but that's not even a literal translation. It is the life right. of the aeon, the mm-hmm. age. Yes. This age language is very yeah. important to the New Testament. What 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 does the age language refer to? Yes. Yeah, so 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 Jesus talks about this age and the age to come. So the 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 age in which the kingdom of God is, is the age that He has dawned by by bringing the inbreaking of the kingdom of God and the age to come where it is fully consummated. Yeah. Um. And um. And so so Jesus inaugurates an a time between the times, an in between age. By his coming, yeah. That, and 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 we would say taking taking the language of Revelation that Jesus, by his coming, um, dawns this overlapped tribulation and millennium. Yeah. That 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 he that he uh, that 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 is that is characteristic of this middle age, if you will. I've always wanted to live in the middle ages. Now I do. Um, so, uh, so it, that's characteristic of this, of this middle age, um, that yeah. you have overlapping tribulation and millennium. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, and so that's, so that's why once once you have died you are now in the age to come <laughs> you and and uh and you're in you're in the full consummation so that so that the the uh the church on earth has has a a a a shadow of what is in heaven um but but the fullness is seen in heaven the um um yeah the church the the church on the church on earth is is um uh is in many ways um struggling through a partial in breaking of the kingdom, a uh, a partial uh, 
kingdom come, partial will being done. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, and we're praying and hoping, and our blessed hope is for the appearing of Christ, which will deliver the fullness yeah. of kingdom come, will done. Yeah. And I, I'm looking for a, I was looking for a picture to see if anyone had, because I know there's a picture like this out there, but since I can't find one, I'm going to have to do the unthinkable, which is, oops, make my own. Um, wait, nope. I don't have access to it. I, I screwed up. I signed on as a different person, uh, to my zoom. So I actually can't do this. Never mind. Um, so if you've got a, basically uh, I'm going to draw a word picture then. Okay. So the word picture, so let's think about this. You've got kind of, this is the eschatology of the old Testament. Eschatology of the old Testament was there is the age of the flesh or the kingdom of earth. The two kind of languages that, and, um, and yet, and then they had this future goal, this future that they were looking to. And this is, this is, uh, sorry, this is the eschatology of the second temple Judaism. This is how they were, they would think of eschatology is you, we are living in the age of the flesh. We are living in the, the kingdom of earth. And they were looking to a time in the future, which would be the age of the spirit, aeon of the spirit. Um, and, and also the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And so this is why it's so important. The evocative language, um, of, uh, of the eschatology of Jesus, when he comes around, he says, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. Uh, it is among you. There is this, this sense of the nearness of the kingdom of God. And this is why, again, like I've been saying, like our idealism is built upon a, uh, a preterism, a partial preterism is because what they expected to happen was Christ would come and then there's a hard break. He would usher in the kingdom of God, the age of the, the age of the eternal, the age of the spirit, the, e the eternal age. And then there would be, that would be come to an end. But what actually ends up happening is Christ comes, the Messiah comes, and he does usher in the new age. But the kingdom of this earth has not passed away. The kingdom of God is going forth through the church. The kingdom of God is going forth. The age of the spirit is spreading through the people who are indwelt by the spirit of God going forth into this world. Like it was unexpected. And yet the fingerprints of this theology are all over uh, the new Testament. If we care to look for it, <laughs> uh, you've got, for instance, Galatians chapter one. Uh, verse three, starting in verse three, grace you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God, our God and father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. To the, and what does that get? Well, hold on. What would that be in a literal? 
To whom be the glory into the age of ages. Mm-hmm. That's that. It would be a literal translation. You've got the two ages right there. You've got the aeon of the aeons. You've got the present evil aeon. The aeon of the present evil. And then there's the aeon of the aeons where his, where he will get glory. This is, this is the eschatology. That's why the, I, the, 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 the sense, the importance of a realized, at least a partially realized eschatology, which we are finding in the root rooted in the words of Jesus in Mark 13, a prediction of his actual coming, which at some point we might want to take a break and deal with, um, Jesus's Olivet discount, uh, discourse, um, in order to, to kind of drive this, this home. And I'll probably, uh, I'm going to wait until I finished RC Sproul's book to do so, so that I could just, uh, you know, uh, throw RC Sproul's voice through my own mouth. Uh, but, but that's why this is, that's why I'm like, we, we, there's an idealism that comes from this, this perspective. Cause if we see it as in, 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 that Christ has come again in judgment on the nation of Israel. Then we have seen the kingdom of God come, the inbreaking, the full inbreaking of the kingdom of God at his return has come, and yet it's not completed. There's the right. overlap of the ages. We live in two ages right now. And by the way, in a true real historic orthodox two kingdoms theology that's what we're recognizing right we're recognizing the reality of the inbreaking of the kingdom of god in the midst of the kingdom of earth and so we need to learn to dwell in the kingdom of earth as those who dwell in the kingdom of god it's not saying that there's like completely different rules it's saying that they are different kingdoms and they are ruled in different ways. They're not completely different rules. It's not like scripture applies to one and scripture doesn't apply to the other, which is how some very wrong interpretations of two kingdom theology come in. But, but this is, in fact, this is even how we can, as Christian anarchists, in fact, I've argued, actually, there was a, a, a DM group where someone tr- uh, brought up two kingdoms theology. And I said, actually, two kingdoms theology is essential to Christian anarchism. Agreed. We need to believe if we're going to say no king but Christ and no human king is worthy of reign, then we have to be talking about the kingdom of earth. We can't be talking about the kingdom of God. There is a king on the throne of the kingdom of God. We must be speaking of the kingdom of earth. And so, um, in the age of the flesh, insofar as it hangs by a thread, it is an evil age. And no one can be trusted to rule it. Mm. No evil fleshly person can be trusted to fully rule the age of the flesh, the kingdom of this world. Who reigns the kingdom of this world? Who reigns this present evil age? The beast. The beast. Who, who gets his power and his authority the dragon mm-hmm. that ancient serpent spoiler alert by the way we're spoiling uh we're spoiling 13th uh season uh all over the place <laughs> <laughs> but but that but i think this is essential to understand both eschatology 
for the sake of understanding New Testament eschatology and banishing these sensational and completely unbiblical, even as they claim to be literal eschatologies, and also for understanding how, where is our political theology, if it's going to be rooted in truth and in biblical theology, not in... Do I go there? I'm going to go there. Not in Leo Tolstoy, who wanted to throw out much of the Bible. If we're going to root anarcho-Christianity in actual Christianity... Right. We need to understand this eschatology. Right. And that's what two kingdoms theology should be. It's actually two kingdoms eschatology. To see the inbreaking of the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdom of this world. So. Uh, any Anything you want to add to this or, or even uh, any last thoughts on the text before us? Well, so that that's have we moved on to five? That was five. That was five. So we've got yeah. well, okay. So we've got parallels. We've got Daniel yes. seven. Yes. And we've oh, got yes. Zechariah. Yeah, let's let's look at the parallels. Let's look at the Daniel seven parallel. Where am I queuing up to? Uh Daniel seven nine. Um mm -hmm. uh No handsome men, so we can see both sides of the screen. Sorry about that. Yeah, so Daniel 7, uh, uh, 9, his throne was ablaze with fire, and its wheels were all mm. aflame. Well, okay, yeah. so, sorry. Starting, beginning of verse 9, while I was watching, thrones were set up. Yeah. Multiple thrones. Doesn't say how many, but thrones were set yeah. up, and yeah. the Ancient of Days took his seat. His attire was white like snow. That sounds familiar. Clothing white like snow, white. yeah. Lance wool. That sounds familiar. Uh, yep. His throne was ablaze with fire and its wheels were all aflame. A river of fire was streaming forth and proceeding from his presence. Many thousands were ministering to him. Many tens of thousands stood ready to serve him. The court convened and the books were open. Okay. Spoilers for things happening in Revelation soon, by the way. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> um, this is this is spoiling the next uh several chapters um, well he's expositing um, i mean he's expositing this yeah. chapter slowly yeah definitely. exactly yeah yeah so 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 really we're expositing john slowly as much as he was expositing daniel slowly so really this is just the slowest ever right. position of daniel um it's just <laughs> um, That's right and then what someone needs to do is they need to pick apart our words just as carefully as we're picking apart these words. Um, and, uh, um, and then Lombard needs to write a commentary on that. And then a bunch <laughs> of people need to write commentaries on Lombard's commentary on us. Um, and, uh, and that, that, that and congratulations. Is, you just invented the middle ages. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, is, yeah, this, is, this is how we get back to medieval scholasticism when men were men. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, the the importance of that is again, like we're there's nothing new. Nothing new is being exposited here. We're not inventing new visions. He's expounding upon. What the Lord has, and the Lord is the Lord Himself envisions is expounding upon what has already been seen. 
uh, in, in, in Ancient of Days. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I don't know if there's anything. Uh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Um, okay, no, no, no. That flaming fire is, in, is the next flaming fire that gets mentioned in Daniel 7 is way later in the book of revelation. So, so yeah. I think, I think the flaming fires that we, uh, um, that we get around the throne, I think, I think that that's this part of Daniel seven, uh, the end of verse, mainly the end of verse nine, but, uh-huh. but all of verse nine, I guess. And the beginning of verse 10. Um, uh, and, uh, and I, um, and then and then okay, I think, I think then we just we just need to point out Zechariah uh, four here, right? Um, because in Zechariah four, um. He said, I'll just, I guess I'll start at the beginning of the chapter. Um, Let me uh, switch translations real quick. (laughs) I I didn't realize I'd accidentally bumped myself into the wrong translation. Um, And the angel who, uh, who talked to me came again and woke me like a man who is awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? I said, I see and behold a lampstand of uh, all of gold with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are at the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. Hold that thought for uh, seven more chapters. Um, uh, And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. And he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. I did it the right the first time. Shut up. I'm not that tired. Uh, To Zerubbabel. I agree. Uh, (laughs) uh, Not by might nor by power, but by thy spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Um, so, okay. And then, all right, if we get much further, we're, we're really getting into spoiler territory for seven chapters from now. So, um, (laughs) so, so, uh, um, so we, we can, uh, we can stop there. So, so we've got the lamps, uh, we've got the lamps down. This is very clearly the lampstand in the temple. Yeah. Uh, uh, more clearly because it's a single lampstand with seven branches. So it's yeah. a, it's a menorah, folks. It's a <laughs> you've seen one of these. It's a and if you haven't seen one of these, uh, Google Arch of Titus and you can see one, uh, <laughs> or Google menorah. Uh, uh, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah. So. Uh, so this is this is very this is very clearly um, very clearly a menorah, which is to say, 
um, uh, seven seven lampstands that are actually one lampstand, mm. which is interesting. It's <laughs> given given what we've got in our um, in our text. So, um, uh, and 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 the the reason I read to the not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, which is to say the, the Lord of armies, by the way, Yahweh of armies <laughs> yep. is, is, is what we, uh, Yahweh should, Sabaot. what we should read there. He's saying, um, uh, he's saying that's the interpretation of the lampstand. So then what's the connection? Well, the lampstand is representative of the spirit of Yahweh. Um, so anyway, and I don't, I, I, I don't know. i like, like you say, this sort of is, this is exposition on that. So, so we've already kind of, I, I, we've already kind of gone into more detail <laughs> on Zechariah four by having, by having done uh, yeah, uh, but- revelation four, five. But there is like, a richness. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Like the more like the more we read these things, if if I if you're not struck by this the common single vision, variously stated and variously explained, and but the common vision in the whole of scripture. You know, like all of these visions are brought together here and like in a reference to the seven lampstands. Well, that's Zechariah. Well, and then you've got the, 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 the thrones. Well, that's Daniel. And he's bringing together all of the eschatological uh, traditions of, you know, Zechariah is an eschatological book. Daniel's an eschatological book. Ezekiel, not so much, but it's a very theophanic book, which is, uh, you know, theo- theophany is is uh, God um, revealing the the uh, manifesting, so visions of God, uh, and so you've got all of these traditions brought together, and we find John, it's like it's like he's this master, uh, this master orchestra director bringing all of them together to sing in harmony. And like the, the, if, if John is doing anything unique, it is bringing together the band <laughs> and showing us how all of these scriptures sing in harmony. And they're all gathering together to show us what the, what heaven is like. And, um, yeah. Um, and it's, it's just magnificent and glorious and beautiful. And I, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little lost for words here. Not quite misty eyed because I'm a man, but, uh, but, but, but it's, yeah. <coughs> uh, the beauty of, of, of that. I, f- I hope that's something that you're seeing you guys, uh, you who are following along. This isn't a scary book. 
Like, I think that's sometimes when I would hear, I'll talk about studying revelation. Sometimes people would be like, yeah, but it's such a scary book. No, it's a beautiful book. It's just beautiful. Let, let it, the poetry of it wash over you. Um, yeah. Um, and, and should we before, I think before we go, we can look at six a, I, I think I, I agree. I did. I did type that in the chat real quick. That yeah. I, I saw that. I, yeah. I've changed, changed my mind. Uh, let's do six a. <laughs> yeah. I don't have the Greek pulled up. So we're just going to have to make do with the English, uh, slumming like, in, you know, like normies reading the English, uh, <laughs> but it says, and before the throne, there was, as it were a, a sea of glass, like crystal. And um, this should remind us, maybe, of something we heard earlier. Oh, say like Exodus 24. The, the elders come together, and they were under his feet, and there was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone. Sapphire, blue, that's blue, y'all. Like the very heaven for clearness. Like, um, or, or we could even, I think this is really where we, we get the Ezekiel parallels, right? Um, I'm pretty sure that's maybe, maybe I'm Ezekiel one twenty two. We're thinking, yeah, one twenty two. There we go over that, which I just happened to have right there over Look the heads you. of the living creatures was the, the likeness of an expanse shining like an awe-inspiring crystal spread out above their heads. And uh, and of course, the, then creatures appear, which we're going to talk about next week. Uh, well, so so yes, there are creatures which we're going to get to next week. But before that, there there is the uh, the wheels rising up from the ground. And right. what do the thrones have in Daniel and Ezekiel? Oh, the throne fire. yeah. So, um. So, so yeah, there's these, these wheels are not yet connected with the throne in Ezekiel, but they uh -huh. will be later in Ezekiel. And in Daniel, the throne is wheels of fire. And, and the, they're full of eyes all around, which again, we saw in Ezekiel, there was, you know, um, this, this, these seven are the eyes of the Lord. So the seven spirits are also the eyes of the Lord, that the spirit is the way right. that the Lord looks out on the, the, the world. Um, yeah. And if we haven't said it before, um, being full of eyes is, is a symbol of omniscience. Yes. Um, that, that, so, so when you've, when you've got a teacher or a mom that it's hard to get something by, by her, even when it seems like, her back is turned. You, you say she's got eyes in the back of her head. This so imagine, imagine a creature that's got eyes not only in the back of back of his head, but yeah. sides of his head, coming out of his shoulders, on the bottoms of his feet, yeah. on his hands. That okay, so that so that okay, there is no escaping the sight of this one. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, that's and, the idea. and by the way, that connection I just made between the eyes and the spirit, it's here as well. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went, and the wheels rose along with them. There is a spirit oh, there again. There it is too. And uh because of the spirit living in the wheel, yeah. 
And then look down in 26, and above the expanse over their heads was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire, and seated above the likeness of the throne was the likeness of a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, they saw, as it were, gleaming metal like the appearance of fire enclosed all around, and downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and there was brightness all around him. Uh, like the appearance of the bow... Oh, this is a connection that we missed last week, like or two weeks ago. Like the appearance of a bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. There's the rainbow. Yeah, he's he's bringing the uh, the the uh, the full symphony together. The band's been brought together, and of course, also sea of glass, uh, like crystal, should bring to mind. Um, temple imagery which again temple imagery was always a imagery of the heavenly temple as as um paul helpfully points out again in, in galatians that there's uh, a heavenly temple even as there was an earthly zion temple um yeah yeah and especially if we think this means clear and the parallel passages do say clear um yeah. Uh, so, if it's if it's saying, um, if it's saying crystal and it means the rock, clear is would be a bad interpolation to add in this passage. So some, but some translations say clear as crystal. Some just say light crystal. And the reason is, the 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 reason is. Do we do we lean on the the Hebrew texts, which do say clear as crystal? Do we, um, uh, or or do we assume that maybe something different is going on here? In which case, maybe this is so clear as crystal. Bdag argues very strongly. Uh, Bauer Dunker Arnigingrich. Sorry, I need to start explaining uh these things rather than just assume uh <laughs> bauer donker yeah. that's uh that's this one um so big Mine's over there somewhere big fat greek lexicon uh it's kind of the my, two standard my, it's the two standard greek lexicons would be that and lonita yes yeah so this is my big fat greek lexicon um so just like the movie. Uh, so, okay. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> um, so, so they, um, they argue strongly that, that uh, especially with the expression clear as crystal, that you're talking about ice, right? Because crystal rock isn't clear. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, so Carson argues that this is crystal like the rock, and it's saying that the sea is the opposite of clear. It is it, it it's it's being roiled. It's 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 uh um it's opaque, it's it's uh it, it's it's all it's jumbling the light because of the roiling of the sea, because the sea we'll see later has a hurricane in it. So that, so Carson 
Carson takes the hurricane in the sea later. Um, and, and the mention of crystal here and says the sea is being roiled. It's, 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 it's a tempest. It's a, it's, um, uh, stirred up. It's stirred up. Um, and, and so you can't see through it. It's not clear. Um, or you can lean back on the old covenant references and say, uh, light crystal is referring to crystal crystalline ice. It is clear. You can see through it. And the hurricane later unrelated <laughs> to, uh, to this imagery that we're going for here. I, I tend to want to go with that one. I tend to want to go with uh, clear as crystal as, as much as I uh, hate to ever break break ranks with D.A. Carson. Um, um, uh, and I only mention it because, because that should weigh heavily on, on a decision to, to go the other way. But, um, but, uh, uh, I, I, I think, I think this is saying that it's clear. It's, it's, it's absolutely transparent, which would be the kind of thing that you might expect to be associated with something that has eyes sprouting out from everywhere and seeing in every direction. I don't know, maybe it's, so that is in Ezekiel, it's not directly right here in this passage. It's not in the direct context in this passage. Um, but uh, um, actually, yes it is, sorry, that's, that's in this same verse, sorry. In the middle of the throne and around the throne were the four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back, so. All right, we'll get to that next week. But you do have a creature full of eyes uh, in, uh, uh, in in the immediate vicinity of of uh, of this clear object, just as you do in in Ezekiel. So maybe maybe that does maybe that's can see everything, can see through everything, and maybe that's maybe that's part of what's going on here. I'm I'm not I'm not certain. Um, uh, I do know that we need to hear the word see, and especially in this book, not think of it as romantic. Like people of English heritage, we tend to, or 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 Dutch heritage, or you know, if you're on this continent, um, and and you be pale face, then uh, then you, it's probably because you come from a seafaring people <laughs> of some sort, right? That's how you got here, um, uh, and uh, uh, and so. So we tend to we tend to look at the sea as something romantic, as a as a as a, a frontier spirit, um, as as a um, the the sea can 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 uh, uh, can be emblematic of of bounty, of opportunity, of of okay. For a first century Jew, none of the above. 
<laughs> DC represented danger and terror and death. Literal death. death it's like one of the most common pictures that the sea represents is death for uh uh for a first century Jew. So um uh so so yeah we need to um we need to kind of break away from our associations when when it mentions a sea, especially in this book. Right. In this book in this book if if this mention of the sea is supposed to be something romantic and benign. It would be the only time in this book for sure. <laughs> and, um, and it's spoiler alert. It's going to be a good thing when there is no sea in the new heavens yeah. and the new earth. Um, so, uh, so now, and this is something like a sea of glass. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, so maybe, maybe a little weaker here, whether that's supposed to represent this sort of terror. I do think it might represent death. That these are people who have died and reached, it, it's, rep, it's representing that, that in front of the throne to get to this scene mm. you have to pass through the veil of death mm. um so that maybe something that's going on here is that is that to get to the scene you have to pass through the veil of death but because of the the door being opened through revelation um it's clear it is you can see through the veil of death in this case, you can see into this scene. Um, so maybe, maybe that's something like what's going on here. I, I'm again, I can't be certain here, but that these are the these are the themes that it's tossing off, and <laughs> and I think we're supposed to think this way about how to pull them together into a coherent um, picture. But yeah. As Patrick says in the chat, don't call me Ishmael. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. And and by the way, um, much more freedom to mix your metaphor. Let's let's be careful to say much more freedom to mix your metaphors in apocalyptic. Yeah. So. Um. So some of the pictures are intended to be divergent from each other. They're intended to be hard to pull together, not, uh, not, not like you're supposed to stitch them together into a, and in, into an easy, um, single picture. They're supposed to be pulling you in opposite directions. That you're supposed to, in apocalyptic, you do clash your metaphors. It's part of, part of how the genre works, um, and we've seen that with a lion lamb, right, <laughs> um, already. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think we need to wrap this up. Uh, so we uh, spent a good amount of time on this, and it was good. I spent some good time here um, on these two and a half verses. Um, 
Next week, we're going to get back into this, uh, to, to verse 6, uh, B, and we're going to start seeing this, these living creatures we're talking about. And, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty spectacular scene when the, the, uh, living creatures start speaking. And then we're going to see maybe the week after that, how the, um, the elders respond to the living creatures. And I think this is really going to get into, um, and we've talked about, we talked about this a little bit in our overview, but I think the most valuable one of some of the most valuable stuff we're getting from these, from this chapter is coming ahead. And, um, also some of the most beautiful stuff we find is from this chapter. And so I really hope that you join us next week. Um, and in the meantime, how about you do a bunch of crazy stuff like, like our videos and rate five stars, our, uh, our, our, our podcast. And, and, uh, I would say, especially keep in mind what we said earlier about, um, the age of the flesh and age of the spirit and the two kingdoms to be like, you know, maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're like, is it a five-star podcast? You know what? I would say we are a five-star podcast and a one-star podcast at the same time. So we are, we are a, a mixture of greatness and of the earth that is all around us. And I would say you should in the same way that this chapter is thinking of the heavenly realities, even in the midst of the earthly realities, you should rate us according to the heavenly rating. Right. Even in the midst of the struggles of the day-to-day podcast. So I think you should rate five stars. On the unseen talent rather than the the seen lack of talent. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is only reasonable. Uh, <laughs> and then like the kingdom of God is going forth, make sure you share this with a friend. Okay. No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I got, I'm bailing on that one. <laughs> it's always but, interesting where the line is for you with blasphemy. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, I found it. I wasn't sure where it was, but I think I found it. That was the line. There it was. Uh, do share it. Do share it. I would we, uh, we would appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. Not only by sharing it on social media, which we would love if you did that, and uh, and by but even by sending it to a friend, telling a friend about the show. Maybe say, "Hey, I've been listening to the show. I think you'll really get into it." Um, uh, tell them in person. Text them. Call them. Um, you know, say, "Hey, uh, I need to meet you at the coffee shop," and imply that you've got a really serious conversation you have to talk about. And say. I need to talk to you about something very serious and dear, dear to my heart. Have you heard of this podcast? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and of course, um, if you want to uh, support us um, and get a bunch of goodies with it, uh, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover. And for just $1 a month, you can have access to these live streams before anybody else does. You can even stay up to an outrageously late hour with us and watch it with us. Um, and, uh, or, or you can just wait for it the next day and watch it on your own. Um, but the best benefit, I'm going to say this, the best benefit is getting to spend time with us in the discord and getting to chat and, um, uh, even change the, 
the tenor and the direction of the show and have conversations with us. And especially as that bonus episode series that I've been talking about, um, we're going to get to in next fall comes up. You're going to want to be in that discord. Um, there's going to be, um, accompanying, uh, things that you're going to want to be able to take advantage of, um, with that. Um, and if you miss us for lack of bonus episodes in the summer, then that's right. you can reach us on Discord. And that's how that's right. you can get your fix. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. You won't even miss us because I am constantly on Discord. <laughs> I won't even give you a chance to miss me. Uh, if you if you go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover. Um, and then, of course, uh, um, and of course, the, if if you are uh, of a low tech person and you only send emails, um, you can also send us an email at anarchistbiblestudy at gmail dot com. Unless uh, you believe that um, the first twenty that the twenty four elders are the first twenty four uh, ancestors of Jesus. And you've joined the one single solitary commentator in believing that. And if you believe that, then instead you can send an email to uh, Kentpeg at payleg.us or whatever the blue blade is his name was. Perez <laughs> <laughs> something I don't know whatever uh yes and most importantly of all join us again next week in the book of revelation when we take anarchy to church here on the anarchist bible study grace and peace grace and peace